Welcome to Quick Crime, 15-minute podcasts that focus on the intriguing details of a crime. Today's episode is on Ray Crone and the Snaggletooth Killer. The details presented in this podcast come from an episode of the TV show Forensic Files. Hank Arredondo owned the CBS restaurant and lounge. This was one of the many bars in the downtown area of Phoenix, Arizona. Kim Arcona worked for Hank. She was the manager of the CBS lounge. On December 29th, 1991, Kim was closing up the bar at the usual time, which was a little after 1am. Hank called in like he usually does, to make sure that there was no problems that night that needed his attention or assistance. Kim informed Hank that everything was okay, and that she knew he was tired, and that he should go to sleep and she'll take care of everything. The next day, Hank arrived to discover the front door was ajar, which was not normal, as he would always be the one to open the bar and set up for the day. Hank checked the safe to see if there might have been a robbery. However, there was nothing missing from the safe, and the takings from the previous night were still there. Hank then checked the kitchen to see if any staff may have arrived early for work, but there was no one in the kitchen. When Hank checked the men's room, he discovered Kim's body on the floor. Her eyes were fixed. She was dead. Hank is still haunted to this day with the image of Kim's lifeless body. Hank described Kim as a nice and honest person with a good personality, which was important in the restaurant and bar industry. The evidence suggested that someone had used a knife from the kitchen and forced Kim into the men's room, then stabbed her to death. They then placed the knife into the trash, but oddly underneath the bin liner. There was a shoe print on the freshly cleaned kitchen floor. Forensic experts identified the print as a Converse sneaker, size 9.5. On Kim's body they found black hairs that did not belong to her. There was also bite marks on Kim's tank top leaving impressions on her skin. There were two drinks on the bar that appeared to have been poured after closing time. They identified fingerprints on one glass as belonging to Kim, but prints from the other glass were not clear for identification. Robbery did not appear to be a motive, as there was nothing missing from Kim's purse. However, police did notice that an address book had the name and telephone number of a regular customer. His name was Ray Crone. Ray was not well liked and considered a little uppity by staff as well as other members of the bar. Other employees said that Kim expressed a romantic interest in Ray and that she liked him and maybe something could happen with him. Police now believe that if the bite mark, the shoe print and the hairs could be tied to Ray Crone, 
then they were sure they would have their killer. Ray Crone was a 25-year-old postal worker, an Air Force veteran, with no prior criminal record. During Kim's autopsy, photos were taken of the bite wound located on the upper chest of Kim's body. They noticed that it had a distinct bite pattern in the left front tooth, where it pointed outward from other teeth. Several bar employees said Kim had a date planned with Ray on the night of her murder, and that he was supposed to meet up with her to close the bar. When questioned by police, Ray said they were just acquaintances, and that there was no romantic relationship. Crone denied having plans to meet Kim that night. Ray also had an alibi. He shared a house with a co-worker who said he was home on the night of the murder. But when police were questioning Ray, they noticed that his left front tooth protruded in a way that looked similar to the bite wound on Kim. Ray willingly agreed to provide a bite impression by biting down on some styrofoam, which was commonly used since it was soft and stable for making bite impressions. Police analysed bite impressions from several other men who also knew Kim. They found only one in which the left front tooth was clearly extended, just like the bite mark on Kim's upper body. It was Ray Crohn's. On New Year's Eve 1991, police obtained an arrest warrant and stormed Ray's residence. They cuffed him and took him into custody. Ray maintained he was innocent, but could not explain why his bite mark looked like the wound on Kim Arcona. The bite wasn't the only evidence against Ray. The perpetrator also left saliva on Kim's clothing. A DNA test was inconclusive, but the test revealed that the perpetrator had type O blood. This was the same blood type as Ray Crone. Ray Crone was arrested and charged with the murder of Kim Arcona. At Ray's trial, prosecutors believed the bite impression evidence was the most convincing. The prosecution hired a nationally known bite mark expert from Las Vegas, Nevada. He was to testify that it was 100% a perfect match. That expert was Dr. Raymond Rawson, a forensic odontologist and also a senator in the Nevada State Legislature. At the trial, Dr. Rawson used a videotape that showed the bite impression of Ray Crone superimposed over the top of the photo that is of the bite mark from Kim's upper body. Based on that evidence, Ray Crone was convicted of first-degree murder and was given the death sentence. It was commented by someone that the judge must have felt the bite marks were a form of torture, and because of this, he felt the death sentence was appropriate. The press was calling Ray Crone the Snaggletooth Killer. Crone continued to claim innocence. But if this was true, how could a nationally known forensic odontologist be wrong? Ray Crone had now spent three years on death row. 
during this time he formed his own opinions about the bite impression evidence. Ray suggested that sharp objects could be used to stick into a few places on the skin and show to someone who would then say that they claim it was a bite mark. And if you were then to show it to other people, you would have somebody say it's a match. All death penalty cases in Arizona automatically appear to the state Supreme Court. Fortunately for Ray, the video shown at his trial was enough to get an appeal. The court ruled that the defense team was not given enough time to review the tape before trial. For Ray's retrial, his family asked Chris Plowd to represent him. This was because Chris specialized in difficult forensic cases. Chris had heard of Ray's conviction and that he was on death row as a result of a bite mark. Chris did not know if other evidence was supporting this conviction, which made him skeptical at first because he does hear similar stories to that of Ray's. Forensic experts that were hired by Chris discovered that the hairs on Kim's body were mongoloid hairs, meaning they were from someone of Asian or Native American descent. They also discovered Ray wore a size 10 and a half shoe. The shoe print from the kitchen was nine and a half. The defense brought in Dr. Skip Sperber, a past president of the American Academy for Forensic Odontologists. He was here to look at the bite wound evidence, which more than anything convicted Ray in his first trial. What Dr. Sperber told them came as a shock. He told them that he had seen this evidence before. It had been sent to him before the first trial and that he was asked by a colleague at the Arizona prosecutors to review the case. And when he did, he thought there were too many inconsistencies for that to be a positive comparison between the tooth impression of Ray Crone and the photo of the wounds on the victim. Dr. Sperber told his colleague working for the Arizona prosecutors that this evidence was exceptionally weak. Using a range from 1 to 10, 10 being a very good match, Dr. Sperber would have rated this evidence a 3 or 4 at best. A good match at 10 would show all teeth leaving marks and a relationship between the teeth should be easily seen. The bite wound on Kim Akona had very few distinct markings. Dr. Sperber took the cast of Ray Crone's teeth and used a low-tech but time-tested method of pressing his cast into some styrofoam and then traced the impression of the teeth patterns onto transparency. He then placed the transparency over the top of the photo of a bite mark from Kim Arcona's upper body. Although the left front tooth in both marks was jutting forward, Ray Crone's teeth did not have any separation. However, the bite mark on the victim's body did show obvious separation between those two front teeth. For Dr. Sperber, the results were clear. He indicated that if it was a good bite, that it would jump out at you, and that you would see immediate similarities. In this case, there were no similarities. This was their key evidence, and to get a report back from Dr. Sperber which indicated the bite marks as not coming from Ray Crone, caused excitement and hope. In the second trial, Dr. Raymond Rawsond, who produced the tape evidence in the first trial, and the expert opinion, repeated his testimony. 
He said, there was no doubt the bite mark came from Ray Crone. A team of defense experts disagreed. Richard Suveron could positively exclude Ray Crone as being the biter. He was not the only expert. There were also three other forensic dentists that were all board certified, highly qualified individuals. Regardless of the defense's expert team, the jury disagreed. They sided with the prosecution's expert, Dr. Raymond Rawson, and they found Ray Crone guilty again. Ray Crone was disappointed and quickly losing faith in the justice system. He was quoted saying, where is the proof beyond a reasonable doubt or innocent until proven guilty? The justice that I was seeing did not exist for me. The defense team knew that there was another person in the bathroom where Kim's body was found. There were unknown fingerprints that came from somebody. The FBI forensic team testified that the hairs found on Kim's body were not that of her own or Ray Crone's. The defense team said it was logic and common sense that convinced them that this was not Ray Crone who committed the crime. Yet a jury found the opposite result. When Dr. Sperber heard the verdict for the second trial, he could not believe it. He was in total disbelief. Ray was now trying to reconcile himself to a life behind bars. But then he got help from an unlikely source. The very same system that he had grown to despise. In 2001, a new law offered Ray Crone some hope. Arizona was one of the first states to pass a new bill that allowed for post-conviction DNA testing, which allows offenders access to evidence and testing if they contend that they were innocent. Ray Crone's defense team asked the state of Arizona to test every piece of Kim's clothing for DNA. The saliva had already been tested and the results were inconclusive. Kim's genes had a small blood stain which the prosecution believed had been her blood. The genes were sent to the state crime lab for a new DNA test that analyzed 13 different genetic markers. The test yielded unanticipated results. The blood on the genes did not belong to Kim or Ray. Forensic scientists entered the new DNA evidence into a national DNA database that contained genetic profiles of more than a million convicts from across the country. The system found a match. A 35-year-old Native American named Kenneth Phillips. Kenneth was currently in prison for child molestation. At the time of Kim Arcona's murder, Kenneth lived only 600 yards away from the CBS restaurant and lounge. Apart from living close to the bar and having a matching DNA to that found on Kim's clothing, Kenneth also had a matching hair type to the hair found on Kim's body, and that his shoe size was nine and a half. When interviewed by police, Kenneth made a startling admission. He stated that on the morning after Kim's murder, he awoke from an alcoholic blackout to find his hands covered in blood. When he saw the news of Kim's murder on the TV, he was in denial and uncertainty with himself if he was the one responsible or not. Kenneth's fingerprints were also a match for the unknown fingerprints found in the bathroom where the murder took place. 
when an impression was made of Kenneth's teeth. They had a much stronger match to the low detail of the bite from Kim's upper body, especially with the more prominent gap between the two front teeth. After 10 years and four months, Ray Crone walked out of prison a free man. You have been listening to Quick Crime. Don't forget to subscribe or follow for future episodes. The information presented in this podcast is a summary only. Details can be found by listening or watching the original content at its provider, which is mentioned at the start of this podcast.